because uh, this is uh, season nine, episode uh, fourteen, I believe, of oh, What the Heck, Richard Weck, with uh, yeah, with uh, Chris Pattinson, right? Chris Pattinson. That's how I say it, right? Uh, Chris Pattinson, but I I do my probably people mispronounce it at like open mic, so I just go by Chris P on stage. Oh, okay, that makes sense. Yeah, so I saw that, that a little yeah. bit. Yeah, and um, I I know I had it I had it I had I just had it in my mind. I just remembered. Where are you from? Uh, I've been in Charlotte for about Charlotte, uh, right? Uh, no, 14 or 15 years, but I'm from Long Island. Oh, you're from Long Island. Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I do very little research before this, just because I want to like kind of just learn what the person like kind of how they got into comedy and everything. Oh, yeah. So no, I didn't you know. Do research at all. It's funny, I saw, I saw your, uh, I just saw your posts on Facebook, and, you know, it's such a mix, because, you know, some comedians put their jokes on Facebook, and sometimes they're good, and sometimes they're not, and yours were hilarious, and I saw one, and I was like, oh, that's so funny, and I shared, and I said something, and I was just like, and then I got high, and I told myself, I wrote it down in my notes, I'm like, you gotta message Chris Pattinson, you pussy, and ask him to be on your podcast. <laughs> I'm so aggressive to myself. I'm like, I had to remind myself, like, because I knew that I would forget if I, if I didn't. And just like, I'm, even though I've done so many, it's like, it sounds a lot more than it is. Because basically I started interviewing people when COVID happened. And then I do like 30 seasons an episode. So I just never stop. So, so I just interviewed a bunch of comedians that, and it's just been so great for me that I've been able to just keep on meeting new ones to talk to. And I love finding out, I love people's like the journey of how people did stand up and how they started and everything. Uh, attention seeking is the most common answer. Yes, it is. Mostly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> That's exactly what it is. It's all. I have a joke one time. One time, my dad said he was proud of me. I thought that I could quit comedy. <laughs> oh yeah, finally, I could, I'm retiring. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. So, uh, when did you start doing stand up? Like, how did it sort of all start for you? Uh, it started like um, uh, I would say like 2015. I started. Okay, same here as me. Yeah, yeah, I started when I was, like, 19 years old. I always wanted to do it since, like, high school, but I was in, like, a smaller town than I, where I am now, so it's, like, no options other than starting up yourself, which is, that's a little uh, unnerving. Right. But yeah, no, I, I have I'd say I do it seven years, but I don't really do it regularly enough, because, like, there's new guys on the scene. There's way more stage time than me, but I, I try to get out, like, once a week at least, because I have anxiety about money, so I have to work at night. Oh, no, I understand that totally. I... I just started, I live with a comedian now, but I live, you know, away from my parents now, they live close by, but it's like, I have that financial thing of like, oh, yeah, can't do as many mics as I want to. <laughs> yeah, no, everyone's like, you gotta get on the grind, man, four or five mics a week. I'm like, who's supporting you? Right, like, exactly. <laughs> it's like, I have the support, it's like, I can't even do that. It's like, you know, you gotta be careful, because it's like, okay, there's that, but then there's like, okay, I gotta eat. <laughs> exactly. It's like, you can see, like, people doing like the regular nine to five, like usually comedians are not that put together. So it's yeah, like, it's like, like shit, folks. it's like I try to get out, you know, at least three times a week. But it, even that, it's hard. It's like, especially in the area that I'm in, because we used to, we go through like dips of like it being like some years it will be very good. Like of there are a lot of mics in the area, and then oh, there yeah. are times where you know there's not so many mics in the area, and it's like how far do you want to go and. I'm out of uh, New Jersey, uh, Jersey oh, Shore I area. Think there'd be a lot of options available. There is, there's Jersey. a lot of Jersey, like, it's mostly, like, farther away from me, like, Jersey City, close to New York, stuff. So we have some stuff in the Jersey Shore. And what's been cool about it lately in the past, I guess, like, eight months or whatever, the poetry, this poetry scene got involved in our open oh, mic no. scene. <laughs> so they. They were actually tremendous because one of the guys that runs it, uh, Damian Rucci, he's he's a poet, but like he's he's worked really hard as a poet to make himself entertaining, and he steps out and makes it like he's very much like he's not a comedian, but he's basically a comedian. Like yeah, yeah, he 
saw that comedic. He like, uh, he basically he basically made his craft of being able to make poetry instead of being these readings and these you know these boring kind of stuffy stuck up things. It's like yeah. a punk rock energy that's very similar to stand up. So yeah, I'm kind of imagining it's like roses are red, violets are blue. Women be shopping, don't they do? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Kind of. Yeah, it's kind of like that. Yeah. So. You know, we got those guys involved in our scene that's been around for, you know, a minute. And it just was, it's been a great breath of fresh air of just being able to have, you know, new places to perform yeah. and stuff. But it's like, tough. It's yeah. tough with, uh, there was definitely a period of time where we had to, because some, like the guys we're with that Damien, like his friends, like some of the, most of them are funny. Like some of the poetry is like, you know, re- real poetry. It's very, you know, it's sad and, you know, stuff, but... They're funny. Yeah, no. They're funny. So, so like, it's great when you have like a mixed mic like that because you have like three yeah. poets come up like really opening up about stuff and like me go up there and it's like so my balls are weird. Right. Like, exactly. <laughs> That's exactly how it is. Yeah, I got no money. And then we all get like, and then we all relate to each other because at the same point, it's just the same. It's very similar in that we're writing kind of our thoughts and then our feelings and kind of like even though we're more lighthearted based there's still also in the personality and in the like kind of who we are as comics it's very similar to how poets are so there's a lot yeah, more connections than you would think like yeah we learn to deal with that trauma at the end of the day some people learn like by expressing their feelings and some people just want to be the fucking idiot and not have to think at all right <laughs> yeah <laughs> i'm just gonna turn my brain off right exactly who who were your uh Favorite comedians growing up, before you started doing uh, stand-up? Like, comedian-wise, I would say, like, the first one where it's like, oh, that looks fun. Like, uh, cringe as it is, like, Bill Ingvall. Oh, I yeah? As an eight-year-old, I thought there's your son. is like, there's no higher, oh, there's yeah. no higher form of comedy than that. So Joe funny. Gunnar, and, you know, it's, it's, inter- it's funny to me now, like, to think of that, like, there's your sign type of thing. Like, all his thing, like, that's a great, like, writing exercise for comedy is, like that type of built-in, like, thing. And he's one of, like, I think very, like, even though he's popular, very underrated for how I mean, really smart... The blue-collar guys. Yeah, he is. Like, under the wings above, like, all these other killers. Yeah, he's, like, he's, like, really, really good. I, I love his stuff, so... He yeah, was no, always... He was good. Um, of course, Mitch Hedberg. Oh, um, yes, so Mitch Hedberg. Comic you have to give out respect. But I would say, like, the biggest inspiration was not really a comedian at all, but... Uh, uh, how, how Stern show growing up? Oh, really? I That was a little past my generation, so I never really got into... Oh, I just watch all the old stuff on YouTube. I was like a weird old man growing uh, up. Like, yeah. So, yeah. I try to relate to my friends like the latest Howard did, and they're like, who the fuck is that? Like, <laughs> right? <laughs> that must have... Uh, so, I know you, you kind of mentioned juries when you started doing stand-up. How old are you now? Uh, 26. Oh, Okay. All right. Yeah, just turned twenty six. Uh, Happy birthday, boy, over here. All right, all right. I'm twenty eight. So it's it's a it's a crazy thing, like how comedy is, like how long it takes. You're you're surprised. It always surprises me, like how many years it's been, and it's like, oh yeah, it's a lot. It's a long time. So. Oh yeah, I mean, if you stop thinking about it. Like it's like the first, second, third year. It's like, all right, I'm year one in the comedy. I'm year two in the comedy. Oh shit, I'm mean, year three in the comedy. It's not happened yet. Like. Right. <laughs> Exactly. Like, uh, the, uh, the thing that started with me, like, you know, similar, I guess with you is not having the stuff in your area. When I started, uh, I was very young. Like I was like 15 years old. So like, there was no way I would even be able to do comedy. So, uh, there wasn't really like a local like scene. And then, so I did improv, local improv for seven years before I did stand up. And it was something that I did, like, I, I did it once. I was like, I'm going to do this for one year, and then I'm going to find stand-up. And then six sure, years goes by, and you're like, oh, what was I mean? What was I doing all this for again? Oh, stand-up. That's what I wanted to do. So it took a little while, but I finally got to do stand-up, and now it's just been... And the cool thing now is I'm, I'm writing... Um, I'm working on my hour, and I'm kind of like combining everything so it's like 15 can be 14 15 years of doing comedy overall 
But it's, yeah, that's it's yeah. like, interesting just to, like, see that journey point of, like, you know, because to me, I always, I just love doing it, and I just want to be able to do it more and more. That's sort of my viewpoint on it. Yeah. It's, like, more about the art itself. And yeah. I mean, your first hour, just, like, after 15 years, that's better than a lot of people. Where right. It's like, yeah, I've only been doing it six months. I'm ready to do an hour. Right. And it's not it's like, like how, how... and it's not like I'm, and the, the thing with me is I'm not a... I'm, of course, not getting booked a whole lot because of, you know, how COVID happened and just the whole situation. But I, I am confident in my material that I'll be able to do it. And it'll be a good... And my whole thing is, like, it used to be with... And also what I've heard from other comics that do, like, self-release stuff. I have a friend who who released a special. Uh, he uh, has actually been on this podcast four times. Uh, his name is Daniel Caprio. He, uh, he has a... Pod, he has a um, a comedy special on YouTube called Utterly Ridiculous that he did uh, last year? Like two years ago? Almost. And to me, my thing is, it used to be, like, a comedy special used to be, like, a person's grand, like, opus. Like, this is my whole, like, everything that I built up. And now, nowadays, it's more of, like, an advertisement of, like, okay, this is what my act is. You can, you know, get whatever from there. And... That's sort of how I view it is. I know... Yeah, no, it used to be. I think that's like the Netflix culture. Yeah, now it's like... Because it kind of shows like younger guys. It's like, uh, all right, yeah, special used to be special, but now you sign a contract on Netflix or whatever for four specials, and you have to release them year after year, and these things don't get polished. And the younger guys are like, oh, yeah, this that's how I have to do it. I have to get this out as soon as fucking possible. As soon as fucking possible. And it's it's really, really uh, a lot. Uh, it's interesting that you mentioned Mitch Hedberg. Um I love Mitch Hedberg, too. I actually uh, did an episode of this podcast. They have a second series called, uh, like, it's called Comedy, like, Geek Out, Comedy Nerd Out, where I I take a comic, and then I talk with a bunch of comics and do, like, interviews on them. So I have a Mitch Hedberg episode where I talk to a bunch of, like, comedians that are kind of like Mitch Hedberg and like him, and we sort of talked about him. And what we I mean, liked yeah, about he, him. He's infectious in the comedy world. Because he's just you amazing. You can't, like, unhear him. And, like, you can't undo him, especially if you like him. I mean, style, you just have to hide him as much as possible. And so many people that I met, like, love him so much. Like, everyone that I talk to, like, comedian-wise, loves his stuff. Yeah. And well, I've always loved his like stuff. The Kanye of comedy. It's like, he just kind of changed how it was. Like, taking, like, the Stephen, uh, uh, fuck, who's the other guy? Stephen Wright, uh, yeah. Uh, Stephen Wright. It's like that out there style. He just kind of revolutionized it. Yeah, that. yeah, definitely. And to write in that pace is really interesting. Like one of my friends, closest friends in comedy is uh, writes in that same type of one-liner, like Mitch Hedberg style. And it's it's an interesting writing process. And it's the most, I think it's one of the most pure writing aspects for jokes that is incredibly tough to do. And it's it's really a great way to like be really clever and quick with jokes. Mm-hmm. So I really have yeah. a great, is that a, I, I didn't, so usually I do get to see uh, a little bit of people stand up. Uh, I only got to see your Facebook posts. So, uh, oh, could yeah, you kind so of, like, so could you kind of tell so me, like, is there a way that you can sort of explain to me what you do on stage? Perhaps. Um, I kind of like, there's like, uh, it's kind of like in the way like Hedberg's like not like that like the writing but like you know you could tell with like it's just coming from his like back of the head thoughts right and that are his thoughts so I kind of like do that but in, like a more energetic way because it's like hard for me to sit down and write I'm usually just like going around like my day and it's just like those things that make you laugh like you know like just just from your gut it's like not from your head it's like oh this is just fucking stupid right but yeah it's like really absurdist and um I think I think it's cool. Yeah, uh, I do tons. Yeah, I do tons of absurdist stuff. So like in my act too. So like I get it. It's you know I always say I come up with these jokes. I have really bad insomnia, so I always say I come up with these jokes at like three four in the morning, and now I have to explain them to normal functioning people. That's usually <laughs> what it is. It's like, check them when you wake up, and it's like, what the fuck is this? Right. <laughs> 
like I think like writing like that, it's like you don't really need to finish it right then and there. Kind of like like some people need to do. It's kind of right. like you can like have a setup like you thought of like a year ago, and then the punchline comes eventually. You just have to document and look back, and then it's just like it's just kind of a very loose way like my material comes together. Yeah, and I think maybe you'll agree with this. It's a much better way, I believe, than kind of topical news because a Topical news is already done by all the late night hosts and everything, and that stuff never really sticks like yeah, around. Content for content so when you have like an absurdist take on something or like an absurdist viewpoint on something, that stuff is ever growing and ever changing, and you can always add bits to it and add stuff to it to make it longer or make it better, and it works. I always love that, like. Yeah, I would say the absurdist space is getting bigger and bigger because it's kind of like the kind of counterculture to like, you know, that uh, late 2000s, early 2010s style that we grew up on where it's like the kind of self-centered, like deadpan, like quick wit stuff. Right. And like, there's, there's no like um, problem with that, but I think like people just kind of look for, always are looking for something different. And I think Eric Andre is probably... A oh, Eric Andre, yes. That, Amazing. It's kind of like the breaking down of the stage performance. Right. And, yeah, I haven't watched as much of his show as I want to, but, like, I've always loved him and his his stuff and everything that I have seen from him. Oh, yeah, it's He's just amazing. Like, you can, like, point fingers to, like, Andy Kaufman style, but yeah. it's, like, this level of dissection of just, like, freedom is, like, a way it is, too, because, like, we all right. feel that way. If we're, like, telling those type of jokes, but we try to squeaky clean it up, and it just kind of shows you, like, no, you can just be a total psychopath and just, like, like you're in a free fly or whatever. Right. And you never know what can happen with it. Exactly. You know, it's it's always... I always love that. I always love having a way to show people that you can do it. Because that's a big part of it is... I don't know how... With your scene, like, in the scenes that you've done... Have, like, how are audiences? Are they are they pretty, like, tame? Or in, in New Jersey, it's very... T- it, it can be quite tough. It's kind of tough in, like, the three, like... The tri-state area of, like... New Jersey, New York, Philly. We have very tough audiences. Just like... Yeah, because they've been conditioned already. Yeah, they're just here it's kind they're of very like, tough. We get a lot of movements from like New York and New Jersey. But um, it's it just depends on where you go, man. It's like you could be a brewery or whatever and you know, the audience will be really intense and like uh, generous and whatever. But there's like some rooms like, uh, like there's this one guy when I was here who's like famous for just booking places that should not have comedy. Oh, right. Like, uh, yeah, like, I remember one time, like, I was performing, it, like, it was in Rock Hill, South Carolina, and it was, like, a biker bar that was in between a dentist's office and a strip club. <laughs> oh, my God. It was, it was just, like, mess head bikers in the audience, and, like, they had a band, or, like, two guys, and the band, like, interrupted me to, like, take a picture with me during my set, and then, like, I had, like, this mess head lady come up and being, like, trying to flirt with me on stage, but, like, close to my face. It was right. crazy like that. And but yeah, you get that, but it's like a lot of it's pretty tame down here. I would say the audience like are happy that the show is happening a lot of the times. And the funny thing about that, like that whole experience, like I can relate to that. What's so interesting now is with like post COVID is like there's a whole generation of comedians who never had to deal with the audience in that. That they've only had to yeah. perform in front of other comics. So like to me I always feel like such an old like kind of an old fart. I'm like, I used to have to perform in front of real people. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I used to not want to Zoom thing, but I would say, like, those guys, I think those guys are going to react well now because, like, definitely the Zoom comedy scene was right. abysmal to perform. I've never done like, it. We all pretended to love it, I guess, because it was there, but I was like, oh, I wish I could just not do this. Whenever, when I, I almost did one and then I got, like, cold feet because I re- didn't really know the host that well. And I was like, well, I'd just go on Instagram and live stream if I wanted to do something online or, like, go on YouTube, on my YouTube. Yeah. You know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, why would I subject myself to, to this, you know? And with stand-up, the way that I always explained it, like, to me, I need to perform live for my set to get better because yeah. it's the same thing. It's kind of, like, the kind of the same way. Like, I haven't been to a lot of strip clubs, but I imagine, like, with a stripper, like, if they're dancing or whatever, they have their set, they know what moves they need to keep in to to their set. If you don't have an audience to react to your to your stuff correctly, you're not gonna know how to put your what you're gonna do with your act. Is this joke yeah, gonna work? Grow. 
is this gonna happen? Is this gonna, you know, it's like, yeah, I need that. Like, I have like low confidence already. Oh yeah, me too. Immediate like gratification. Me from, too. Like, it's first, like, like yeah. My joke, I'm done. I need it. I need it right away. I need to know, you know, that it's gonna, cause like I have a lot of social anxiety and a lot of stuff. So like, to me, it's very funny. Like the way that I sort of describe myself on stage a lot is I don't have, I don't have stage fright. I just have social anxiety, so like it's tough. It's like I'm not, I'm not afraid of the audience. I just am. It's all the stuff that's on top of it, especially like you know when you mention like the stuff that you had to go through at that at that uh, biker bar thing of like having the woman come up to you during your set. It's like when you're on stage, when, yeah. When you're on stage, you have to realize like, oh shit, this is all me. Like when I switched from doing improv to doing stand up I was like oh shit this is all me I have to be all funny all by myself and it's yep, a total a it's a total mind fuck of like okay what am I look cause jokes are fine like telling jokes is is the easy part the hard part is the how do I look on stage oh yeah am I, I tell like you know, guys all the time because they'll be so focused on their writing or whatever they're not they're forgetting that you're trying to sell a whole package you're trying to sell a whole package right yeah, you need to like you need to not just tingle their minds. You got to tingle their sight, their sound, their smells. Well, they're probably not the smell. right. I, I mean, I know it's some comments on the road, but right. Uh, it's just like a whole experience, and then like the audience is part of it, and it's like a little different because, like you said, you don't have the team, but it's just like got to kind of do it. Like, got go outside the box, and not just being funny. You got to be comical. Yeah, and it's a real. Uh, it's a, but I really love it. It's a real thing. It's really cool to talk about. You know comedy with someone like this uh how are your um so how are your parents and like family about you doing stand-up were they uh like interested were they supportive at all um my dad was interested like when i first started he's like oh yeah that's cool and he saw me like a lot of showcase and i go keep inviting him to shows and he's just like uh call me when you're the main guy <laughs> Right, exactly. Yeah. That's what it is. And then my mom just she's like, "Oh, that's me. I wish you didn't work at a gas station." Right. <laughs> yeah, my parents, my mom's are but, but it's the same way. I always say that you know they'll come to one showcase and then they want to see your Netflix special. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I saw, I did it, I saw him when like, he was small, now he's way too large, and I get the free tickets. Right, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, just, I just planted the seed, the seed that I was there. Right. And then that good thing is, like, in your case, like, Nick, I don't know how, um, how dirty you are on stage. I'm a little bit, but, like, you know, oh, it's I, like... I had to tone it down a little. Oh, really? But, yeah, I'm, I'm still dirty, but I've gotten better. Yeah, I mean, to me, it's always interesting. My, my mom's very supportive, and, like, I have just a really weird family of, like, my my family was never strict about, like, comedy stuff being, like, off limits and sort of being dirty. So, like, that's never been an issue. So it's a really weird thing to some comics of, like, that my, that I can do these certain jokes in front of my mom. And it's like, that doesn't matter. <laughs> We're used oh, to yeah, that. Yeah, like, I don't care. But, <laughs> but it's like. As long as, like, you can make it so funny at the end of the day. Yeah. For help. It's not, like, being incredibly over the top. But it's. You know, it is a way to do it. But um, that's cool to hear that. Do you have any siblings? Yeah, I'm the oldest of five. I have two brothers and ah. two sisters. And uh, my brothers, like, come to my shows, like, all the time. Like, they, they, they think it's really cool. Oh, that's great. Because, uh, yeah, it's always funny because, like, they're, like, just, like, college frat bros. And, like, I'm always hosting shows at, like, these dinty punk bars. Right. <laughs> it's, like, a real culture shock. They're, like, dressed up all nice and shit. I'm like, oh, you went over the edge for this one. Right. Yeah, that's real fun. Um, yeah, but yeah, sisters haven't seen me yet. Uh, it's because they've been too young to get into the shows on that. But yeah, mm -hmm. no, they want to come too. Ah, well, that's good that you're, you know, how have you been, uh, like, show-wise and, like, getting booked and everything since COVID and everything happened? Oh, it's way better now. Like, I am doing a 20-minute set and I have producing the show I produce uh, next week and then I'm going to travel a little do another 20 minute set in first week of December so it's picking up nothing like club wise because like our club selection over here is kind of dismal no it's one. it's terrible our club scene in New Jersey is not good uh, because they're uh, they're they're dueling with each other in a way that isn't like comedy based they have like a weird feud that isn't out of comedy 
And the uh, um, one that's closest to me is uh, the guy that runs it is just very, like, kind of has odd views about stuff. So he doesn't like yeah, new comics to perform. Out. He doesn't like new comics to perform. He only likes, like, these older, like... And some yeah. of them are great. Like, Vic Diabetto is, like, one of the professional comics that's, like, a New Jersey. Like, he's the greatest, like, older, like, kind of, like... Uh, what's the word, um, like, boomer, like, comedy that is actually good, really, like, good comedy. But he, he books yeah. a lot of those, and he doesn't like to book uh, a lot of, um, like, you, you, know, you, like Mark, you know who Mark Norman is, right? Yeah, yeah. He had, so Mark Norman came and did that club uh, for, like, three, for, like, three weeks, for, like, a week. And out of the week that he was there, one show went bad, and the guy never booked him again. Uh, fuck, yeah, they don't give him, like, a second. They were, like, they were, like, like oh, there's something wrong with him. It was, like, no, there was a crowd, the crowd was just, you know, New Jersey, you know, boomer audience, you know. Yeah. They're not really gonna drive with, you know, a newer comic all the time. And the guy just was completely backwards. So that, it's very tough to get into clubs. So for us, yeah. the good thing is Sometimes we... the mic's not hot. The good thing is we have... We have a good underground scene of open mics all around New Jersey, so it's like that's the cool thing. Is like, even though there's not a whole lot of like club comedians, there's a lot of like comedians that you just see, you know, probably like you, like you just you do your shows at you know these bars and they and they're as good as anything, and they're probably even better than you know like a comedy club because you don't have to deal with the whole like to drink minimum yeah. type of thing, and you don't have to deal with all the bullshit. You just... Although I do like getting in for free for shows at the comedy club. That makes me feel like... Oh, yeah, works. for sure. <laughs> yeah, but then you can't really recreate that at your buddy's show. Right. I really need that $10. And, um... It, are there yeah, any clubs... So... That- I'm sorry if I, I, walk, I talked over you. Is there any... Um, are there any clubs that you're past at or anything around you? Um, I was working... Before COVID, I was kind of because the problem is right now with like our home club um, in mm-hmm. Charlotte. Yeah, it's like they don't really have a lot of like local access anymore because we used to have like an open mic uh, that would be every week, and then they, it was run by someone different, like okay. than who owns the club is like more someone who focused on the locals, and then they would put you on a the locals like kind of like a improv showcase and then like a like a other showcase like that right and i, I was getting and that's how you get the, the residential hosting gig or whatever and but uh, after covid i can understand they want to just like focus on the celebrity shows right and uh so they use like they still use locals but it's like locals they were in with before covid Right. It's just like, I don't play them. They just don't have the access anymore. And the person who, like, used to book all the local stuff is not really involved. So it's a, it's a weird transition period here. It's like a lot of people, like, do club work and have to go way outside of Charlotte. Mm-hmm. So I know you said you had some, a date in, like, December closer. Where is that? Uh, it's going to be, I, I think it's, it's like my friend Brian O'Neill's show. Uh, he runs in Salisbury, North Carolina, like, 40 miles away from here and it's like actually i think it's a, like a neat, nice little theater that's like never used oh that's great so, yeah and i love doing small towns dude they because like you could they really want it they're they're glad you're there right that's like, awesome small towns, it's so easy to kill in. yeah the only time i ever traveled like outside of new york like to do comedy was i went to um my my friend moved to, to uh, austin last year mm-hmm. so i got to visit him for three days and oh, we got to do, like, I got on a show one night, and then, like, the last night I was there, we just did a whole day of, like, from 3.30 to 10, 3.30 in the afternoon to 10 at night, just doing open mics around the town. And oh, that's awesome. it was so oh, cool. Yeah. It was, like, you know, walking distance, you know, we did one at a park, and it was, like, you know, one at a bar, it's, it's like... And like it was actually cool. Like it was like, oh, this is really like great. And the cool thing like about the park was like, at first there was like no one. It was just the comics, and then like there was ended up being a crowd. And it was like being in a different planet because Texas was already so different COVID rule wise than than New Jersey oh, yeah. that like there were no masks or no anything. It was like, oh yeah, this is completely just like a summertime like 
thing. <laughs> but oh yeah, it's just like oh, it's like nothing happened. We're in the bubble now. Right, exactly. So you have entered the bubble. I really, I really like that. But um, yeah. So it's always being able to do it more. Um, so uh, what uh, so I kind of asked about like audiences and stuff. Uh, have you had any like? How how far has it been with uh, like hecklers in your sort of experience? Have you dealt with a uh, lot or? Here's the thing about me, like I so I have like a hearing disability and I have bad eyesight. And I don't wear my glasses at mic, so if like anyone's heckling me, I don't really know until someone tells me. because like, uh, like I just good. go into robot mode and then I may because like I'll interrupt the audience, but it's like I see something that's so obvious I have to talk about it. Right. But it's like I just kind of, I haven't really had a heckler per se other than when i was just trying to do edgelord stuff mm. back in the day that makes and sense that's the only time and then it was usually towards the end of my set i would just leave right uh just heckler wise like um not nothing crazy other than someone who is enjoying it too much right and they want to be part of the show or whatever and i just that's like, another just thing like <laughs> that's another thing that's so tough like it's the same thing that i had to have when i when my mom would come on me sometimes it's like you know, people don't know, people who don't have bad intent, some people just don't know how to act and yeah. how to be an audience member. People just don't know. Yeah, it's just like, because they, they, they probably like, um, especially nowadays, I would believe, like, because a lot of comedians, to like promote themselves, they post their like crowd work stuff on right. social media. And so that goes into the reels, that goes on the TikTok. So a lot of people who don't really go to comedy shows often, they see that and it's like, oh, they just want to talk to me. Right. And, like, uh, it's not every comedian. That's just that guy because it's, like, a real experience. It's easier for people to relate with. Right. Like, he was just posted, but, yeah, I think what it's going to be at the show. Right. And that's the thing that I'm always, like, with. Like, I I have a thing. Like, I have a terrible, like, this is my sort of, like, opinion joke on it. Is like, I have a terrible attitude towards, like, uh, towards um, crowd work, how popular it is nowadays. Because I'm, like... If they were funny, they'd be on stage, and I'd be the one watching. I'm the one who's funny. <laughs> I'm the one who's. Exactly. I'm the one who's performing. <laughs> <laughs> that's it. Don't fuck with me. <laughs> but like to me, like that's not really. But to me, I'm like I. I think I'd be fine with it. Like I have to do it a lot more to get it's better at it. But it's such a it's such a thing because people expect it now as a part of a style, and it's always been, especially like being in New Jersey. That's a very like a region where. They make fun of the audience a lot, like that. Oh yeah, that it's, is it's like just like New York shit. Like, like if you went to comedy in like I guess it's the same as New York, like but if you you just had to get used to that, like and audiences are prepared for that or like fear. Like my thing is like if you come and see me and you sit in the front, I'm not gonna make fun of you, uh, unless you're doing something that would warrant me to do that, but that would be very rare. <laughs> It's like, yeah, exactly. I'm mostly self-centered and focused on myself. So I'm just going to do... Oh, yeah, I can't, I can't get taken off my track or I'm going to forget what I have to, what's coming up next. Like, right. I'm, I'm, I, yeah, as soon as I'm off the rail, like, oh, shit, I got to get back on something. Right. Because what I always tell, like, the only advice I can really get, I give, like, newer comics, I only say is um, don't, like, like, fight for your time. Like, if you have time on stage, don't... Let anything distract you, even yourself. Just do your set and what you want to do and get that done. And then the other advice I have is just the big thing is like don't make make real friends in the in in this. Don't don't oh, worry yeah. about like uh networking or whatever. Just make oh, yeah. real friends Someone and then make real friends and then you'll do cool shit with. That's what I always say. You'll meet you'll meet people and you'll do fun stuff. That's all that yeah. <laughs> that happens genuinely enjoy yeah so that's generally my two pieces of advice it's like that and just like don't let people because that's just a tough thing with when you get on stage like especially at an open mic or like at a show where like it's not conditioned for comedy if people don't want comedy they don't want comedy (laughs) so you have to you have to fight for it you have to be like this is i deserve to be up here i'm good at this i this is what I do, and it's a thing you have, oh, yeah. to, you have to show up. If you got the skill, you can warm up any microphone. Right. So, um, yeah. Yeah, and I tell new comics all the time, like, uh, my biggest advice to them is, like, 
all right, so you're going to do this now, and uh, you're going to hate yourself, what you said, like, two years from now, so just get out of the way. Right. <laughs> it's just, like, nothing you write today is going to be a killer. Like, no. There's, there's no overnight sleepers. The way I always think about it is when when you're – when you're just, like, getting on stage at first, I always say, like, you have, like, 15 seconds to sort of show your entire self. It's sort of like being a sitcom character. Like, if you've ever seen, like, um, like, Seinfeld with Kramer when he comes in and you know exactly what his personality is. Like, you gotta do that with your personality and who you are as a person. You know, for me, I always used to get on myself where, when I was starting out, like couple of years in maybe like a year in it would take me like three minutes to get like any type of like applause or like any type of like really notoriety or attention from the audience Dude, that one applause feels so good. and then it's like once you get that like that little like laugh or like you know or that little like spark it's like okay now you can do it and now not in, like i don't mean this in like a cocky way i can make the audience laugh in you know 10 seconds that i get on stage Oh, but yeah, you, figure it out. It, you get up, you you get to that point where you build up the cur- the like the the thing where it's like okay this is what I do like this is yeah. this is my thing so I it's just such a and it always is such a weird thing when I I had a really good set the other week because I'm working towards this showcase set on uh, next week and um, so I, I, this is a great set and. The one thing that always comes back to me that I always forget, and I, this is another good advice for comics, is remember to have fun on stage. Oh, yeah. If it's, you're not having fun, the we, audience We fun. always forget that. I, I always Don't forget that. Yeah. Because you get stuck in your head before you're set. You're like, oh, this is not going to go well, or this, is, this and that, or you know, I'm not confident in this material. You go on stage, you got to have fun with it. Yeah, because like, the audience, they can smell it. When they can smell it, yeah. And audiences want to have, like, regardless of what they are, like, the reason they're there or why not, at the main crux of an audience is they want to have a good time. So if you can give them a yeah. good time, that's just what you can do. But, um, so with, um, with doing everything, this is a question I usually ask. So after you got into doing stand-up and did it for a little while, were there any comedians that you maybe saw before that you didn't like that you either had a new found like for or respect for? Oh, like I changed my opinion on them? Yeah. Uh, like local or just like every... every no, I mean like, mean like famous, like anything like that. Um, yeah, yeah. So, like, it's kind of like uh, when you first start, you're like not really hungry, but it's like a new interest. So it's like you start picking it up. Right. And then you kind of look at guys who are like, they tell you're funny, like, I hate to use the example, but like the the guys in the most of the guys in the Rogan sphere. Right. Like yes. I, I used to be like, oh wow, this is how you do it. But then I started like actually like going to clubs and seeing people you never heard of. Right. And uh, like, oh, because I've like had it took me a few times because I was like, oh wait, these guys never made me laugh. Like this person's making me fucking laugh right now. Like there's a killer. Like one the, the I can tell you what my aha moment was. I was at my, one of my local shows, and there's this local comic. She's a South Carolina comic, Jen mm-hmm. Snyder. Yeah. The first time I saw her, in tears laughing with my friend. And then it's like, I stopped crying for a second. I was like, oh, that's what you're supposed to do. Yeah. Because it was just like a high energy, just like pop, 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 pop. Because a lot of the guys like they that you see when they already are established, and this is what happens like uh, to a lot of comics where it's like, they kind of like, already know that they don't have to fight right that, like first kind of bout of generosity right so it kind of like it seeps into the writing a little bit oh like, yeah as you go i'm not saying like money will ruin everyone but it happens a lot no it does i mean it happens all all the time and it's such a hard thing to see because it, as comedians and when you're when you're a comedian and also like myself you can be like a common nerd it's very snobbish so like there are things like that'll happen like with all the stuff that, like, when I talk to other comics on this podcast about, you know, all the Chappelle controversy, the thing that I came around to is that just he got tired of hitting home runs all the time, of yeah, doing, yeah. you know, once you get, once you do stand-up for a period of time, like, it's still cool to us to have that whole, you know, set up punchline, they laughed, everything, yay, like, mm-hmm. we still love that. 
when you've been doing it 15 plus years, like 20 plus years, that shit gets real boring. Oh, yeah. So that is kind of like you're, you're just like, okay, now, now what can I say that'll pique interest? What can I say that will, that will, that will gather controversy and make me, you know, and build an act towards that? That's what yeah, I sort of that's realized. A, that's a facet of it, but I also think it's just the comfort in because, like, when you t- it seems to me like uh, it's like there are a lot of folk like uh, like take Chappelle, like he people will call him the goat. He definitely used to be the goat. Yeah. Like there was like no touching that, but like uh, Netflix era Chappelle kind yeah. of like it conglomerated with like this like kind of trend happening with like the sex successful comedians. Yeah, it kind of shifted towards more of instead of like stamp comedy, but truth telling. Right, and then they get that clap or that agreeing thing, and they're like, "Oh yeah, I'm killing right now." I don't, right, I, and then they well, get in their head like, "Oh, this is how I have the right to get this," and because it's right. good when I get it. Yeah, because the big thing is once you, they become, you know, once you reach a certain point as a comic, it just always happens with everybody. They think, "Oh, people want to hear my real views now," and people want to hear what I really think and really like me, and that's the same thing that happens with. Like, Rogan and his crew is, like, they just sort of got too big. And, like, as a comedian, it's always funny. Like, when you're in the comedian world, you kind of realize, like, no one should listen to these people. Like, yeah. like, that guy I know is the craziest guy that I know. No one should, you know, listen to any type of advice that he says. We're all... <laughs> hey, people are still buying uh, Jim Brewer tickets. Yeah. I mean, it's so funny. I met Jim Brewer, uh, like, 10 years ago close to it was 2014 ish was uh yeah. I, it was uh, i was out of high school and one of my friends in that high school uh his family and him loved jim brewer and i was like getting a little bit into like stand-up so i was like i, I was a really big stand fan so mm-hmm. i fell asleep during his show and no one noticed but i got to meet him afterwards and i still have a picture on facebook of me meeting him with my friend and he was one of them like nicest people that I'd ever seen. And then I see what he does now on stage. And the only thing that annoys me about it is that, like, he released a special that, like, every... That, like, three other comedians have released the same exact special. Yeah, it was hard. Like, yeah, like, no, like, like him, him, Orny Adams, uh, um... <laughs> Who's his name? Uh, the other blue collar guy. Uh, oh, Ron White? Foxworthy. Oh, Jeff, yeah, yeah, yeah. They all released thing. that special of I'm old and I don't like it. Uh, um, who's his name? Jim Jeffries. Last special was the same way. Of like, oh, yeah. I'm old and I don't get it and I don't get the new generation. And it's like, why is everyone releasing the same special? <laughs> <laughs> It's like, I definitely know there's a team around that. There's a team around that, like, for you know, sure. If you market it this way, we can guarantee you, like, this, this, like, certain success and this certain right. rating or whatever for your, like, people's But special. I remember it was, like, it was, like, one of the things that just annoyed me was, like, that's the same special from these three different people, four different people. Yeah, because <laughs> like, like, yeah, they're all in the same echo chamber, man. Right. And then... It's just, like, they get out. And then for me, like, I can understand, like... Which is younger people, you know. I, uh, but it's always a great thing. Like, I, I love, but that's the cool thing about comedy is that it's for everyone. Like, that's the thing that, that I always oh, love. Yeah, there's a style for, everyone, a style for everyone. I always tell are. people, I always tell people, like, and also you'll be, you'll be an example of any, like, even though every, you know, is corny, every person is unique and whatever, their own little person, there are, like, archetypes of people and stereotypes of people so if you're a very shy person and you're a comedian the people who are 20 times more shyer than you that's your audience they're gonna relate to you they're gonna relate to what you say on stage they're gonna like you so if you you know like me you talk about like depression and anxiety on stage that's gonna reach a, a people and that'll it's always about reaching people and relating to them and you know, it's kind of funny, like, how I was thinking about it. It's, like, old comedy and kind of the way that we kind of think about it, like Jerry Seinfeld, it always used to be, they're not really, they're jokes, but the, the main setup was, here's the thing that we notice. 
This is true. Yeah. I'm going to ask a bunch of questions. And this is ask a bunch of questions. And then the thing that's tough nowadays. I'm just asking questions. Fox News funded. Right. Exactly. <laughs> so it's, it's, a, it's a whole thing. And then styles just change where people talk more about themselves and they, it gets more introspective and retrospective. And yeah. it's like, it's really cool. So I, I, uh, I always loved that whole entire, like, dichotomy of how comedy is. How is, like, the, uh, how are the people around you? Like, what, do you think your scene is pretty strong of, like, the comedians you're around? It ebbs and flows. Like, it's definitely way better than when I started because it was a small thing when I started. And then it was, like, the only people that were getting on, like, feature shows were, like, it was, like, a quick and very uh, douchey. Mm-hmm. But um, as time goes on, like, time went on, like, it's, it, it gets really good. And then it kind of, like, people move away. Then it's, like, but then, like, uh, after COVID, there was, like, a lot of people who were really hungry for it. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we got a big explosion of, like, uh, new comedians. And that's great. I'm always happy to see it. Like, a lot of them are kind of taking the reins and, like, making their own shows. This is a great step in direction. Like, we're a small scene over here, especially, like, alternative-wise. Right. And uh, it's just, like, we're just keeping each other alive at this point with, like, gigs and everything. People are trying, but it's it's still small. Right. But, yeah, no, it's, like, also another thing is, like, we're very insulated here. We don't get a lot of cross-pollination. Mm-hmm. And so it's, like, that's what I try to do with my shows. Like, I try to get, like, people from other scenes. Like, I got this one guy one time from Atlanta, Daniel Delano. And I, I've never seen anyone kill like that. It, it was, it was like, educational, too. It's, like... Holy shit, how old is he? Because he's from Atlanta, so that's just like, you're fucking, you need to be on it. And right. that's what, like, what a lot of guys around here need to see, because it's like a lot of, like, you can't really depend on, like, generosity for your jokes. You kind of have to take it. Like, right. That makes sense. No one's going to give you a laugh, you have to take the laugh. Like, and that's what he does. It's like, oh, fuck, no matter what he says, like, that's it. It's just like cadence, writing, and it's, it's everything. So we're learning. It's definitely like, uh, you know, if you're a killer here, definitely have to go to another stronger scene to kind of reevaluate yourself and then just start over right yeah that's such a that's such a fascinating thing to always hear about and always have you know that come in to play um yeah yeah because you don't want to be the guy that's good in your own town oh yeah and to me i've never i've never been satisfied like that's never been my my main like goal like a lot of people like there's a couple of people in my scene, especially like the main guy who hosts things, who I'm, who I'm a huge fan of. I love his stuff, I and mean, he's a really good comic. But like, he kind of loves New Jersey in a way, and his representation of New Jersey comedy. And to me, I don't uh, want to be. And it's like, and it's like I don't want, and it's like I don't want to be the Jersey comic. I just want to be a comedian. So can, my biggest thing like, is trying like to break out. Right. It's like. You know, and there's no big deal. And that's actually a good, like, little, like, that's a good thing to have, like, to be that. But that's never been my goal. My goal was always, I, I want to do comedy everywhere. And that's sort of my, and that can be tough when, with stand-up, as you probably know, it's it's always the, it's you have to be realistic. Dialect. You have to be realistic about your dreams. Yeah. You have to be very realistic in your dreams of what you want to do when you're doing this. So mm-hmm. even though stuff may, you know, and you have to learn to love that too. Like when I, when I realized like, okay, I'm going to be in my hometown a long time doing comedy. I better embrace it. So what I did was I did this podcast where I've interviewed everyone, mostly everyone in my scene so far. Hell and it's yeah, like, dude. it's like, they love it. They love it because they, the, the main guys, the host, they say, they say it's like, uh, it's like a behind the music of comedian of getting to see comedians. Cause you'll get to see, cause people will get to learn about each other. You know, mm-hmm. we see each other as comedians, maybe like, maybe we see each other a couple times a week at night, but we don't really see each other during the daytime. So yeah, when you do see each other, you're just trying to outdo yeah. each other on a rip or something. So it's, like, we could be regular people too. It's fascinating to talk to someone for an hour or two and have that conversation be heard by other people and they sort of get to learn about the person off stage. And yeah, yeah. It, it helps with their act too. It helps people get booked because 
it's like, okay, it shows them. And like, sometimes I get like annoyed with myself where I'm like, oh, that interview probably wasn't very funny, but it's interesting to me. <laughs> it was like. Oh yeah, no, it's the other thing too. It's like, you, you know, you don't have to be just a comedian, you know, multifaceted, right. actually human being. Like, right. It's like, but yeah, that's hard for me. Cause like serious is always like, I'm so more comfortable. I'm just like, just being dumb and rare. Right. Because it's like, you know, I, I like, uh, I, li- I like talking to people, but I do not like, talking about myself a lot mm-hmm. because it's like yeah, i just want to sure. forget my day until i just get back on the stage or just for sure. a radio game or something like <laughs> right i just want to exist i just wish i could teleport my consciousness to like those two things and it's like not do anything else right i mean it's such a we were talking about like audiences and such a thing like has there been there hasn't been anything uh there was one thing in new jersey that happened recently with a comic of like getting attacked on stage but has there anything like that happened in your scene since the Will Smith thing or anything? Like, has there uh, been... Well, we have the reverse of that right now where it's another comedian. Oh. Yeah, there's a... They recently just... We have a uh, freshly out of prison uh, oh. prison Nazi on the scene. Oh, my God. Like, like, he's like an ex-one, but he's like covered in tattoos. And, you know, we're all giving him the benefit of the doubt because it's like, okay, maybe it's just a survival thing. And whatever, like, and I tried my best. I, I kind of gave up after he referred to his Nazi tattoos as his white pride tattoos. Oh, my God. But uh, he's been having a big problem with the women on the scene. Ugh, because, I can uh, imagine. Because one girl doesn't like that his Nazi tattoos are visible. So she told him, like, you can't really come through her mic anymore. And that kind of started it, it off with, like, it kind of coalesced, like, a week ago. Or right. Or two weeks ago. Where, like, uh, he came in and threw the mic stand through a wall and started trashing PA equipment. Oh, God. Yeah, real psycho. That is, <laughs> that's a nightmare. Oh, my God. That's just yeah. crazy. Yeah, so, yeah, that kind of, that was, like, the last time people tried with him. Because, like, we're all trying to do it. Cause, right. Know, it's, like, be kind of, like, the girlfriend, like, where I, I can fix him. Right. <laughs> But you can't. You can't fix crazy like that. You can't fix crazy like that. And with stand up, it's such a, it's such a thing of like, it's so it's so interesting. Whenever someone brings, I don't know if you'll have this. Like you have your regular show or your regular open mic, and someone brings like a friend or a girlfriend from like the outside of like a regular person who's not a comic, and you're like, I hope no one is weird tonight. Like I know we're all weird and we're all comics. I hope that we don't scare this person away. <laughs> yeah, it's, oh my god, I hate watching this, like four people bomb in a row with edgy shit. Yeah, in front of like a comment and you're like, I'm never going to do this again. And then you have to sit to, then you have to like, you want to talk to the person, you want to be like, this is not like it every time. I promise it's good. I promise there's. <laughs> it was just a luck of the draw, dude. We were doing a raffle. I didn't have my hand in it. It's like, I didn't, I know the edgy guy, he said the N-word four times on stage. We're, we're trying to get rid of him. We're trying to get... We have one rule, there are two rules. There's uh, no fighting and no saying the N-word if you're white. Right, exactly. Yeah. So there's two, there's two rules that people like to buy by, but they still find ways to make, consider making other rules. Right. It's like, that's the rule that we have so far. <laughs> Don't say the N-word if you're white, then you're good. You can just talk about, like, all the other, like, incest, all that. Right. Sexual assault, you're fine. Like, just yeah. please don't make this a new story. Exactly. It's always it's always interesting to have that 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 world of showing, like... You gotta tell people that. Oh, yeah. And one of the, like, best things that ever... One of the, the good things that happened was when I was starting doing comedy, like... Uh, did you ever watch uh, Pete Holmes's show? He had an HBO like, show, uh, Crashing. But anyway, on that show, Crashing, like it sort of explained a lot of like the inner workings of comedy that was easier to show older people who didn't know comedy of what I was going through, because people will wonder like why we do stand up, why we go through what we go through. You know, the, the, the tough, like, you know, performing in front of other people and why you would subject yourself to it. And it's cool to, like, show, like, the inner world. And I always want to see more of that in media. Is like, 
the thing that always I annoys me. It's time. Like, there seems to be like five shows on the same time about the same subject. Like, right. Well, you know, I had a guy at Open Mic come to me like in my first month, like, hey, you want to make this show about being a stand up comedian? Meanwhile, I have no idea what it's like to be a stand up comedian at this point. Right. And it's like, the thing to me that always annoys me is whenever there's like a TV show mostly. Like, once in a while, there'll be one with a stand-up, but mostly, like, I never watched, like, Mrs. Mails or whatever, because they always get actors to play stand-up comedians, which never, yeah, never works. It it's doesn't... Like not it, as sad. They're not gonna... You're not gonna understand the world of what we what we go through. Like, the... And then the thing that's funny with the interesting thing with... Com- like, the big thing was that comedians just to get their own shows, you know, after they went on late night. And oh, yeah. the big thing with that is that like, writers' rooms completely killed that. Because, like, it's so funny. Uh, when when um, John Mulaney got his show, Mulaney, uh, it bombed terribly because he didn't want to be seen as a diva. And they completely took advantage of him where they gave him a writer's room he didn't want. They, they didn't let him do anything he wanted, any of his ideas. When Jerry had yeah, his, were, when Seinfeld had his show, they would put someone in the room, like a writer or executive, and he'd be like, "Who is that guy? That guy's not funny. Get that guy out of here. This is my show." Yeah, have control because it's like, I guess it's like what they want to do studio wise. They want to sell the what their idea of a comedian. Yeah, exactly. Is. But that's the thing. That also, like that's why I don't really find a lot of those shows or movies interesting because comedians are just. Not like they're 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 just like interesting people. Yeah, they're just like interesting. The, like it's like they always try to like ham it up, man. Right. It's like like there's a they always think of themselves. Like I hate it when like they call like like non comedians like civilians or shit. Oh yeah. Like they just don't get it. Like the worst offender I saw a comedian on like, a local news show. He was comparing being a comedian to being like a first responder firefighter. Yeah, I don't think like, it's like that. The way that I sort of do, and maybe this is even more extreme than that, is. I always say it's kind of like being the world's shittiest superhero. Is like, yeah. you go on stage, it's like, I can make people laugh, and then I can go back to my normal, regular, just being a normal, kind of weird guy off stage. But I can go on stage, I can make you happy for a little while. And that's really my main crux of it, is, you know, is, you know, making people happy. That's my way of just, like, kind of looking at it in the more pure sense of, like, being oh, yeah. in the stand-up I'm is like to elicit emotion. They want to feel that. Emotion. They want to feel that emotion. It's yeah. It's a service, and it also it like my. It's funny. My mom did stand up for like the second time technically, but like the first time, and she oh, tried it weird. when I was starting out, and I didn't really like that because it's kind of my thing. But now I'm like it, it sucks if your mom just crushes. Like, but now, <laughs> but now like that I've been doing it, you know, eight years, like close to eight years, um. I'm cool with, with her if she wants to do it a couple times because Dude, making people like laugh that. is the most fun experience you can have and most amazing oh, yeah. experience. Nowadays, and I would not want to take that away from anyone's, from anyone's life if they have the opportunity to make someone laugh, if they have the opportunity to go on stage and express their, their views and make people laugh. I think it's the greatest thing in the world. <laughs> so... I, I don't mind her doing it now, but it's it's a it's a funny thing of like, and she probably won't ever do it again. But it's just like when she did, yeah, people loved it. You're gonna find her encouraging, so she crushes and then sends you to your room. Right, exactly. <laughs> That's exactly so it. Cool. <laughs> it's like your mom's on Letterman. <laughs> your mom's on Fallon. Your mom's on Fallon. You're in your room. You're like. Fucking bullshit! Don't get grounded. Yeah, you're just doing dishes. Man, this should have been me. Right? Fucking show parents, am I right? Exactly. Funny. Oh, my mom's been canceled. Right? It's a whole entire slew of things that happen. And it's like now it's my time to shine. <laughs> just, just shitting on you right before you go on stage about like staring all your secrets and shit. Right. right. It's like, uh, I, well, she already did my set. Like, fuck. Right. Oh my god. Uh, and uh, thank you so much for being on and doing this. And you really, yeah, you were no, fantastic. Me, and uh, if you ever, you know, if you ever have a show or like anything coming up that you want to promote. And you want to come back on, and we can do another hour. 
I'm totally cool with that and just hit me up. Yeah. Uh, yeah, totally, dude. What's your um, social media stuff? Okay, so it's going to be Facebook. I, Facebook's pretty much my notebook where I just try to, like, make all my family unfollow me. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's um, going to be Chris Patterson, P-A-T-T-I-S-O-N. Mm-hmm. I have Instagram, Chris P. Uh, com, me, die. Like comedy, but spelled die at the end. Okay. And then I, sh- I stream on Twitch, um, Chris P. Die. Can you just repeat what you said from the Twitch thing, your Twitch and your TikTok and... The, yeah. the other show that you and the other yeah, thing that you do yeah um yeah I, so twitch i stream video games and try to be funny but it's mostly just me playing video games at chris p die mm-hmm. and then the same name for the tiktok chris p die and i post like um a right wing grifting show on there where it's just like i'm just trying to do just like basically a tucker carlson impression right and uh and that's then, really yeah, cool. I just do a monthly show every here and there, but you can see it all on social media. That's kind of cool. I, I'd love to talk about that with you. We'll have to talk about that and then next time that I have you on. But um, thank you so much for doing this. And uh, again, thank you for being so cool with the timing and everything. And uh, Oh, yeah. I don't, I, don't got, I don't got real life. <laughs> right. It's, you know. Um, so uh, thank you for being on. Uh, there's that. Do you have... Um, do you have Instagram? Yeah, Instagram is uh, Chris P. Comedy but comedy spelled with die at the end, like T-I-E. Okay. All right. So, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll have everything uh, ready, and uh, thank you. Thank you for, yeah, thank for you being for on, man. Yeah, thank you for having me, man. It's really fun. Yeah. Thank you yeah. so much. Thank and you. I hope, uh, oh, if you're going to get anyone, get Daniel Delano out of Atlanta. He's really fun. Oh, sure. Th- thanks, for the, thanks for the name. I'll definitely look him up and try and get him on. For sure. Yeah, killer, killer, killer. All right, thanks, man. All right, I'll see you, buddy. Have a good one. All right, all right, bye.